Get ready to drop the puck, take a free throw, and step up to the plate. It's time for the Metro East Sports Podcast on lineupmedia.fm. From the Lineup Media Studios in beautiful downtown Edwardsville, welcome to the Metro East Sports Podcast, season number three, show number 37, recorded Monday, November 21st, 2022. Thanks, as always, to partners Cassens, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, Callaway Home Loans, Keller Williams, Marquis, Jeb, and Ginger Blasting Game, Integrity Spine and Joint Center, Front Office, Fiduciary Network, Oak Brook Golf Club, and Rosenthal License and Title Services. We are talking all things sports in the Metro East. I'm Dave Light. Show number 37 features Jake Pollock and his coach Skip Birdsong of Altoff Catholic High School, 1A Mespy winners for soccer player and soccer team of the year. And guest number one in the studio, Morgan Hansen and her dad, Paul. And we're going to talk about field hockey and we're going to talk about a sport we have never talked about on the Metro Esports podcast, sailing. Three things you can do to help. Number one, subscribe to our podcast. It's free and you love it. And where else are you going to hear about field hockey, sailing, and soccer in the Metro East? Number two, follow us in all of our social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And number three, if you have a story, story idea, email me, please, at mespdave at gmail.com. And remember, you can nominate your favorite team for Integrity Spine and Joint Center Metro East Team of the Month. Could be a park and rec team, could be a middle school team, high school team, you name it. To nominate a team for Team of the Month, send your suggestion to mespdave at gmail.com. Please put Team of the Month in the subject line. All right, and now... Little intro music. Come sail away, right? right? That was your choice. I had the I had the Chris Christopher Cross. Yes, both are good. All right, welcome to the show. Thank you, Paul and daughter Morgan. Good to see you guys. So let's talk about sailing. Where do we sail? We sail at Carlisle Sailing Association in Carlisle, Illinois. 45 minutes east of here, of east of Edwardsville. And how did you get into, because you're not just sailing, you guys are competitive sailors. Yeah, we race. Okay, you're racers. And how often are you racing? Once a week, every Sunday, throughout the season. When's the season? From April through the end of October. Okay. And then we'll travel other parts to other parts of the country and south to race during the winter. Wow. So how many races a year are you guys doing? Three a Sunday for from April, end of April through end of October. So nine months of seven, six, seven, seven months. Seven months. I'm not so good at math. Yep. Seven months of weekly, every single wow, I didn't see you didn't tell me all. Okay, so let's let's unpack a few things here. I've got Morgan in sports and literature. And on Mondays, I always ask who did something exciting and legal. And Morgan says, Dad and I had a sailboat race. And I was just like, wow, that is so cool. And so then what happened? Um, then you asked me to be on your podcast about it. No, but then I made you go up to the chalkboard. You remember oh, that? Yeah. He made me draw the courses for the race. Yeah. I said, Ex- explain it. Okay. So how big is the boat? 
it's 470 centimeters, so it's like... 15 and a half feet. 15 and a half. So the boat was designed, and that particular boat was designed in 1963 by a guy, Andrew Corneau, a Frenchman. The class gained popularity throughout the world, and the United States started building them in 1970 in Pewaukee, Wisconsin, and... It became an Olympic class in 1976, raced by men. And then in 1988, they added the women's division, women's fleet. Uh, the first Olympics in the women's was won by Allison Jolly and Lynn Shore. Uh, Allison's a friend of mine. And they won gold in uh, Pusan, South Korea, is where the sailing was held. And it's been an Olympic sport ever since. And now it is a mixed crew starting for the 2024 cycle. This will be the first time. First time it's a mixed crew in the 470. Yeah. So the boat weighs 120 kilograms or 264 pounds, 15 and a half feet long, sailed by two people, a main of jib and a spinnaker and a trapeze, single trapeze. And how did you get into the sport? My dad. He started sailing. The 470 in 1973, 74, about the time I was born. So I've been in the boat my entire life. How long is a race? Depending on where you're sailing, where I grew up, back home. Where'd you grow up? Des Plaines, Illinois. So I sailed on a, grew up sailing on a little puddle. I'll call it a puddle. 43 acres in size. And um, a race there will last 18 minutes. Uh, At Carlisle, when we sailed, they could race on average 45 and you basically do two laps. Yeah, she drew out, Morgan drew out the um, the track, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Could, could you explain it without, without showing it? Yeah, without? so you start on a finished start line, but you're not stationary. It's you're jockeying for position. Everybody's moving around, and it's, it's a time start, so five minutes until the start, then four minutes, three minutes, one minute, et cetera, until the gun goes off. When that happens, everybody goes, and you sail up to a windward mark, and a sailboat can't sail closer than 45 degrees to the wind, so you have to zigzag your way up to the windward mark, and then you can turn and go around it, and you basically turn 180 degrees to the next mark, uh, which is right by the start-finish line, and then you sail your way down, not necessarily always in a straight line. You're zigzagging back and forth, trying to take advantage of the wind shifts, competition, strategy. Um, The best way to describe it is if you watch a flag on a pole, it doesn't stay in the same spot, right? It varies back and forth. That's the wind shifting. So when you're sailing, you're trying to take advantage of that wind to sail the least amount of distance as fast as you can. It's cool. So it's physics, chess, and geometry. Reading the waves? Reading the wind off the water. And the waves, if you have waves, yes. Some venues have them, some don't. Small inland lakes usually don't have a lot of waves. Carlisle does, but it has to blow from the right direction to do it. Mainly flat water venue. Okay. So during the race, what are you doing and what is Morgan doing? If I'm driving or skippering the boat, I'm working the main and trying to figure out to f- keep the boat going as fast as possible. Morgan's job or the crew's job would be to look for new wind to tell me where everybody is at on the race course so that I have a visual or mental picture of where everybody's at. Are they ahead of me? Are they behind me? 
Are they going the same angle as me? Are they going as fast as me or, or slower? Who's got the advantage? And so I take all that information in and process it and try to keep the boat moving, but also make strategic decisions on how to position myself in front of somebody or to stay ahead of them or how to get them, how to catch them from behind. How many boats start off when the gun goes off? How many boats are at the start line? Depends on the fleet size. Um, some classes like the 470 are smaller now in the United States. Um, we might have 10 or 12. Um, if you go to Europe and race the 470, you might have 100 all on the same starting line, all at the same time. In your typical race at Carlisle? Uh, anywhere between 6 and 10. Okay. So smaller. But some events we go to, I sail other boats as well. You can wind up with 80 boats on a line, no problem. And it gets really congested, very tight, and you have multiple rows. You'll have a front row, second row, third row. If you're not up on that front row, you're not going to win. You're mm. not going to be the first. You, you need clear air. So that's the goal, clear air and speed all the time. How old were you the first time you raced with your dad? I think I was nine, eight or nine. It's the first time I raced in the boat, but I've been in it my whole life. I can't imagine she was much help as a nine-year-old, was she? Just no. in there getting the experience. Just experience. that She had been in the boat, like she said, we would go day sailing, not right. always race. But we went back to where I grew up in displays and sailed, and she wanted to go. Okay, let's go. So I took her, and uh, we raced, and I did a lot of the work, but she did some of it. She was big enough to, to handle the jibs, the forward sail, the jib, and uh, we even tipped over the first time. The first time? Yeah, for her. Were you, were you scared? Yeah, it was scary tipping over, but, I mean, the race committee boat was right there, and my dad just told me to, like, hold on to the rope, and he was going to get the boat back up, so it wasn't. Wasn't and you had a life jacket on. Right. So it wasn't too scary. So the boat can, this 470 can tip over fairly easily, but it comes right back up. So it, uh, the wind will knock it over. So that's where being on a trapeze, so you're suspended from a wire that runs about three quarters of the way up the mast, and it, you're wearing a harness, the crew is, and it's you hook into it at your waist, and only your feet are on the side of the boat. So she's hanging off the boat. She's hanging off the boat, totally outside of the boat, connected by a wire and holding on to the jib sheet. Those are the only two, two, two things connecting her to the boat. Is there a website where people can go to, to check it out, to, to see what you're talking about? Yeah, 470.org. 470.org yep. to see pictures. Pictures, videos, race results. That's the international website. And then if you go to YouTube and video or just search 470 sailing, there's all kinds of videos. It's a really high performance, very technical based boat. But it can also be as simple as just putting the sails up and going out and enjoying yourself. You don't have to make it complicated. Um, it can be as simple as you, as you want it to be. And the boat is super affordable. Um, a used boat, $3,000. So it's very affordable for anyone to get into. And there's multiple styles of boats, like there is multiple styles of cars. So you can have, you know, Cadillacs, you can have Corvettes, you can, there's a big variety in the boats 
that are out there, depending on what you want to do. Are there rankings for this? In, on the international Olympic scale, yes, there are. But not on not the on national a or a state, no. local type no. scale? So, like, I, okay. Nothing on a regional or national basis for that class, no. And there's a national championship held every year somewhere in the U.S., for that class most years. And you haven't done that? I have. Last one I did was 2012. So not with Morgan, though? Not with Morgan, no. How did you finish? Second. Second in the national yeah. regatta. And where was that? That one when we hosted at Carlisle. Wow. So Carlisle hosts national regattas almost every year for different classes within the U.S. or international classes. We host nationals here. Okay. So we run a cycle through that if a particular class wants to host their nationals at Carlisle, we're more than accommodating to host them. Is there a boat association or a sailing association yeah. locally? What's it called? Carlisle Sailing Association. The Carlisle Sailing Association. Yep. And uh, that's cool. Any other sailing competitions? Any other? That's the only boat in which you are racing currently, right? No, oh, you have other boats that you race? I do, yeah. I have a whole fleet. You have a whole fleet? Of boats. Yeah, he's trying to narrow it down. I'm, I'm scaling back. How many boats do you have, Paul? At one point, I had six. We had two lasers, a lightning, the ACAT, the 470, and what was the other one? Ski boat. The ski boat. You're a water man. You're a boat man. Love the water. Always have? Always. And Always. how about you? Is that a, Has that extended to you? Is this a passion for you, too? Yeah. It's an expensive one, but it'll be fine. What do you love about it? Morgan? Just being on the water, I don't know. You just, it's like an escape from everything, and it's just fun, and you get to, I don't know, I just get to spend the day with my dad, and we get to sail. And you get to be with everyone else, and it's a co- it's a competition, but it's a fun competition. It's it's like family. We're all family, all the different people that come together. What No matter what type of boat you sail, it's family. Everybody gets together at these regattas or races, mm-hmm. and you get to catch up with old friends people you haven't seen in a while. It's like going and playing golf with your buddies or going to a tennis match and meeting up with friends that you haven't seen in a couple of months or you go play at somebody else's court and you get to see friends. It's the exact same thing, just in a different sport. I think the smaller the sport circle, the tighter the group of friends is. I agree. And I think our 470 group at Carlisle is like a really tight group because – on the last regatta, I was learning to drive, and they were all, like, very patient, gave me extra room, and they just, like, they all gave me tips. Even though we were all competing, they all helped me out. Extra room on the course? Yeah, so, um, I mean, you can get really close to somebody when you're racing and try to, like, push them out so that they have a less advantage going around the mark, but they all were more patient with me. Nicer. Yes. Kinder. Yes. Any other father-daughters combinations out there? Um, Joe and Teresa, but they... We sail with them in Chicago. There is, yeah, a friend of mine from when I was growing up. Husband, wives type things, oh, any yeah. of that? Lots of that. Really? Yep. Boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, father, sons. That's how I started, father, son deal. Um, and then I've learned to sail with other people. Uh, you get better by sailing against better people. Same thing with playing tennis or basketball. You only get better by competing against better people. So that same thing goes into it. Preparation, practice, making sure your equipment is in good shape, not going to break, all those things that go into it. Same thing with uh, 
you know, I would imagine tennis, making sure your racket is good. You're not, it's not broken. It's not strings aren't broke, all that kind of thing. Same, a lot of preparation. I put a lot of time into that, both through making sure everything's rigged correctly. The boat is polished, you know, make it as quick as possible. So any thoughts on going back to the national tournament? Yeah. Every year, every year that I can do it this year, I couldn't, uh, we wound up in Minnesota with my son playing ultimate frisbee, watching him play ultimate at a national tournament. So I didn't uh, didn't get to sail the nationals this year, but hopefully next year. Does he sail with you also? He sails with me or my father. So your dad's still sailing around too. Yeah, my dad's seventy five and still sailing three times a week. He sail where he sails. It's at least twice a week, and he teaches adults and kids how to sail. He gives back through that through that avenue through that path. How cool is that? And um, hmm. Carlisle offers sailing lessons to adults and kids. There's a, a three-day camp for adults twice a year. And there's a week-long camp for kids plus a weekly program that they can come out and learn to sail. And he's already pretty much like eight years old to 18. Why should somebody do it? Sell it. Why do I want to learn to sail? I'm going to sit on my couch and play fantasy football all day. Why should I go out and sail? It's great exercise. You meet great people. It's exercise. It is exercise, yes. I'm looking at the people hanging off these boats. They do look fit. They are fit. Because <laughs> I think if you put me on one side, I might tip the boat. Nope. I can get you out there, no problem. Five minutes. I like to try. It looks fun. Next summer. Do you guys hang out afterwards? Yeah. That's part of the fun, I bet. That is. During lunch, we'll go out and sail a race, come in, have lunch, sit around and talk, hang out with our friends. Go back meet out. new friends. Go back out and sail two more. Hang out afterwards. It's uh, it's a great thing, and being able to travel around and see different places in the country is a really neat aspect of it. Meet new people. That's cool. Um, so I've sailed in a couple different classes. Yeah, the A class catamaran is one I have right now. Actually, I'm selling that boat. Um, that's like a F1 car in the car world. It's a very high fast. perform, very fast, very light. Dangerous. It can be, yeah. People get hurt. They foil out of the water, comes out of the water completely, and uh, the speed increases significantly. So, Did your daughter tell you about the research paper she's doing in Sports and Lit? Dennis Connor. How cool is that? That is cool. An English class where you get to study a sailor if you're a sailor. That's great. I also told her Buddy Malgus would be a good guy. I don't know who that is. He is the founder of Malgus Sailing. Uh, they're in Zenda, Wisconsin, and they build boats. He's an Olympic champion from the 60s, America's Cup skipper, just like Dennis Conner. But he hasn't won one. But Dennis Conner has more America Cup wins. I told Morgan that I think Loyola Academy and New Trier have sailing teams. High school sailing. They yep. do. Yes. yes, they do. But we do not down here. No, we don't. That'd be pretty cool. You should have started that. I, I, I wish it existed when I was growing up. It did not. High school sailing was not in the Midwest yet. On the coast it was, but not not in the Chicago area. Do you see it growing? Yes and no. I think you have to be in the right spot to take advantage of or somebody has to be the catalyst to start the program. Somebody has to be an interested parent or somebody who just wants to give back to be able to start the program. I think it would be a great thing. You gotta have some water and you gotta have a boat. You gotta have some water. And not everybody has either one not everybody has those two things. But you can really sail anywhere, Mike the lake I grew up on was 43 acres. If you can sail there, you can sail anywhere you want. You don't have to have an ocean. You don't have to have a big lake. Uh, there's a 
sailing club in Louisville, Kentucky. They sail on the Ohio River. Um, our club actually got started uh, sailing out of ported, by Portage to Sioux on the Mississippi called Valley Sailing. It no longer exists, but that's where it started before they built Carlisle Lake. It's cool, man. I, I think a lot of people ha- would have had no idea that there was such a vibrant sailing scene. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it it is d- dwindled a little bit as other as people have got into other activities, um, whether they're kid related or some parents take a step out. You know, while their kids are growing up and then come back. Sometimes the kids get involved. Um, it's great to see that. It's great to see it handed down from generation to generation, um, like. Our family is three generations with Morgan and her brother, me and my father. That's cool. Um, and hopefully it continues whether they want to race or whether they just want to go out and enjoy the hobby for the hobby, the sport of it. That's fine with me as long as they love the water, which they all do. All what about kids. Tower Lake? Ever thought about Tower Lake at where SIUE is? They used to sail there, SIUE. I remember that. Yep. That's why I mentioned it. They is that lake big enough? Sure. Sure. Dunlop Lake is big enough. Holiday Shores is big enough. Have you sailed on Dunlap? No, I have not. If I had a house there, I might. That's cool. But All right, Morgan, I want to get to your field hockey. But first, thanks to partner Cassins Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram, the number one place to purchase a vehicle in the Metro East. If you're in the market for a new or a pre-owned car, check out Cassins Inventory in person where they've been for 25 years or online at Cassins.com. Cassins has earned the highest ratings for customer service. Their expert staff is committed to making your car buying experience enjoyable, including convenient on-site financing. I've purchased four vehicles, four vehicles there, and I will not purchase a car or a truck or a minivan or a sailboat anyplace else. They don't sell, they don't sell sailboats there, by the way. With over 80 years of experience in the Metro East, Cassins is the clear-cut leader for quality, service, and customer satisfaction. Go see Steve, Cliff, Holly, Greg, Bob, Mike, or Trent today. All right, let's talk field hockey. So you can't go sailing all the time. Right, got to play field hockey in between. How old were you when you started playing field hockey? Um, I was in sixth grade, the summer before sixth grade. What attracted you to field hockey? Um, one of my sister's friends had told me about it, and I had heard a little bit about it, so I just decided to go to a camp. Fun right away? Yeah. Right from the get-go? Yep, fell in love with it right away. And I could not find any final team stats. The only final team stats I found for you guys said 11-5-1. and one. I don't think that was right for – oh, there we go. It's the wrong year. Here we go. Looks like your team was 9-7-2. St- uh, that does sounds that, right. Does that sound right? 9-7-2, yep. which, which is a very respectable season. You're playing a lot of good teams. Um and you had some you had some blowout wins and some blowout losses. How would you describe the season? I think it was a good season. It was much improved from last year, and I think our team connected really well. And I just think overall we played well and we put our hearts into it this year. I've got quite a few field hockey girls in class right now. Yeah. And you have a you had pretty big numbers this year, I feel like. Yeah, our varsity roster was a little higher, I think, just because we had so many seniors. How many seniors did you have? Sixteen. What? Yeah. 16 seniors and 14 were on varsity. No, 13 were on varsity. Fun. And last year was the first year that we had lacrosse. Yeah. And so I would have been afraid that maybe some of the some of your numbers would have jumped ship, but didn't affect your numbers? No, a lot of the field hockey girls did play lacrosse. I did not, um, but a lot of them do play both. It actually could be 
a benefit because yeah. girls could play field hockey in the fall and lacrosse in the spring. Yep. That'd be great. Our right? coach recommends playing a spring sport, whether it's club field hockey, track, yep. softball, just like anything just to keep in shape. What keep position, yourself moving. What position did, do you play? I play offensive mid or center forward primarily. And it's a fun game. Yeah. Your back doesn't hurt after bending over to no, carry that No, because you don't stick. bend over. You bend your knees. You do? Yeah, you got to bend your knees. You got to stay low. All right. You never played field hockey. Actually, he has played with me. Really? He played like on a team, but he goes out and plays with me. What do you think? Fun sport? I can't check her. <laughs> I do, but you can't. He does anyways, but he used to play ice hockey too. I, yeah, and that's my thing is you can't use the other side of the stick. No, you can only use one. That's the only. That's my only gripe about it. I feel like you should. I feel like the game would be better if you could use but both sides. But that's the yeah. that's the skill. And you can't use your feet because you have strong side, and there's also no left-handed sticks. You have to play right-handed. Okay, yeah, you sound like my wife. My wife was a field <laughs> hockey coach, and she played field hockey at Edwardsville yeah. High School. So we have a long, long field hockey tradition in the family. So I hear about it all the time. And you love both sports. Yeah. Is there any connection between the two? Has has learning to be competitive in one helped you in the other? Um, I would say like the composure that I've learned from sailing, I guess, would help in field hockey. But there's, I don't really see a connection. And what other are than life lessons? And what are your plans for next year? Um, I don't know where I'm going yet, and I don't know if I'm going to play in college or not. Do you have any plans to keep sailing? Yeah, no, I plan to keep sailing for the rest of my life. You think you'll sail in college, maybe, depending on where you go? Is it possible that they'll have a sailing club or team, maybe? Um, a lot of the colleges on the coast do have On the coast? College. Yep. Which coast? Both. The west and the east. There's a lot of Midwest schools that have sailing clubs or collegiate teams. That's cool. Well. None that she's looking at, though. She's looking at really inexpensive schools, right? Dad, Dad's hoping so. School's expensive, but you're a good student. You're going to get a lot of financial aid for your good grades and your good attitude. You're going to be great in college, don't you think? Yeah. Any ideas what you want to study? Um, nursing. Good for you. And they have that. You can study that in lots of places, too. Yeah. That's cool. All right, you ready to earn some extra credit for your second hour sports and lit class? Sure. Let's see how much he's been paying attention, Dad. You ready? I'm ready. In what year did Mark Fidrich... Win twenty, win nineteen games. Nineteen seventy-six. I think you got lucky on that one. I was gonna say seventy-four, but I knew it wasn't the year he was born. All right, what number did Roberto Clemente wear? Twenty-one, because there's twenty-one letters in his name. Dad, this you raised a good one here. She's paying attention in sports and lit, making all A's. Being a star on the field hockey team, sailing with you. Is she a good sailor? She's coming right along. She's finding her own groove, yes. I'm pretty sure I'd get seasick. No. Yes, actually, I, how do you know? I mean. But it's actually comforting when you're sailing all day and you're like rocking in the boat and then you go to oh, sleep and you still feel like you're rocking. No. You just ruined it for me. I just, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to make me turn green. But anyway, best of luck to you guys. I, I think it's really cool what you're doing. I think. The winning and losing on, in, the, in the sailing is fine. I just think it's fantastic. You have something that you do with your daughter that she loves to do and you love to do and you get to be competitive and it sounds like a really cool community. So congratulations to you on that from one dad to another. I think that's really cool. So, Thank you. And I want you to come back and, and tell me about a big race before or after or both 
And I want to get out there and, and, and check you out sometime. So you're not you're not racing again until April, right? Next race is April? Yeah, at, the, at Carlisle, yeah. Okay. We'll All right. definitely get you out, though. I would like to see it. I think it would be cool. All right. And if folks want to find out more, again, it's at 470.org uh, to see pictures and to get a feel of what type of racing they're actually doing. And the local club, again, is Carlisle? Carlisle Sailing Association. It's csa-sailing.org. All right. Paul and Morgan Hansen, thanks so much for coming by, guys. Thank you. All right, guest number two, Skip Birdsong and Jake Pollock. But first, if you're looking to buy or sell a home in the Metro East on the Illinois and Missouri side, please give our partners at Keller Williams Marquee Jeb and Ginger Blasting Game the chance to serve you. They have offices in Waterloo, O'Fallon, and Edwardsville with more than 130 agents. The Blasting Games are a family-owned business that has helped over 5,000 families find just the right home. The Lipes are one of those families. Jeb and Ginger sold our house quickly because they're experts at staging and pricing. And they helped us find the perfect home and they can do the same for you. No wonder they're ranked in the top 10 real estate teams in North America. Give Jeb and Ginger Blasting Game a call at 618-578-9276 or check them out online at blastinggamegroup.com. You will not be disappointed. Do you play soccer with Jeb? No, he's a little older than me, but I know Jeb well. Good guy. Another another Granite City soccer guy. Yes, he is. How about golf? Do you play golf? I do. Yeah, I know you've been to Oak Brook. Located northeast of Edwardsville, Oak Brook Golf Club is a family-owned 27-hole public golf facility. Their goal is to offer the highest quality golf experience for a reasonable fee. Oak Brook is consistently recognized for awards such as Friendliest Staff, Best Course to Host a Fundraiser, and Best Senior Scramble in the Bi-State Area. From fundraisers to leagues to instruction to an afternoon out on the links by yourself, the Brook wants to win your business. I've personally played and hosted multiple golf scrambles there, and I can attest. Mike Surrey and his staff are the best. To book your tee time or to start organizing your next fundraising scramble, give them a call at 656-5600 or check them out online at oakbrookgc.com. Go hit that little white ball and chase it around the... Chase around that beautiful green golf course. All right. Jake Pollock, Coach Birdsong, welcome back to the show, guys. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thanks for having us. State finalists, back-to-back finalist seasons for you guys, 51-6 and six over your last two years. You guys have become a real powerhouse in 1A. I guess you've been a powerhouse in 1A for a while. Yeah, you know, it's uh, the last two years, obviously, we've, we've had a really talented group. A uh, good group of seniors that that we're going to miss. Um, certainly, Jake being being one of those and headlining that list along with a few others. But um, yeah, the last few years, you know, the the COVID shortened year in 2020, uh, played in the spring and which was their sophomore year, uh, kind of set the tone for the next couple of years for us. We've had we've had a couple good seasons back to back now for sure. To what do you attribute? Just I mean, is it just the talent? Yeah, I mean, you know, their uh, their work ethic, uh, they love to compete as a group. Uh, a lot of them grew up in the same neighborhood, um, same area of Belleville, and um, they just love to compete at everything they do. Obviously, they're talented athletes and, and soccer players, but I think their compete level is a little different than, than some previous groups that we've had, to be honest. How would you describe this season, Jake? Uh, I would describe it as fun. It was, I knew it was going to be my last one, and I wanted to put it all out there and hopefully win a championship, but we came close. Team of the year, 1A Mespy winners and player of the year this year. 29 goals. Did I see that right? Correct. Amazing year for you. Is goal is scoring goals what you do best on the pitch? 
Uh, I don't think so, no. What do you do best? Uh, getting the ball at my feet and looking to find space and create plays is usually what I do. Because you play in the center and then you also play up top sometimes? Or just in the center the whole time? Well, I played uh, attacking center mid the whole year this year. Okay. Is that where you play with your club team also? E center mid, yeah. They use a little different formation in club usually, but um, Jake can play anywhere on the field, but when, when he has the ball, as he said, when he has the ball at his feet, um, either going forward in the attack and, and finishing, he certainly can do that. Um, but he's he's really dangerous, you know, sort of pass, pass dribble or shoot, um, triple threat kind of thing, and that, that's where he's actually at his best, as he said. Is that something that just comes naturally to you, or is that something that you developed? Well, like like Skip said, he uh, I grew up with a bunch of friends that really pushed me to get better and better. Uh, my whole neighborhood, any any sport we did, we all competed hard, and <coughs> you, you you adapt and you get better at anything that you have to do. All right, what about next year for you? Have you thought about it? Yeah, I've thought about it. Um, I'm working on getting recruited right now. Uh, you I definitely just, want to play somewhere. Definitely, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking to uh, go to a bigger school for sure. Uh, I just got my uh, first offer uh, went last Wednesday. From? Eastern Illinois University. So you are looking larger Division One type Correct. situation and uh, any ideas, field of study? Sorry, what? What you want to study? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, business, probably. Finance, sales. What did he mean to the team? Um, you know, good group, obviously, all around. You don't have the kind of season we have without having a good quality team. But Jake's the, the kind of kid that you can, you can lean on, and I certainly did. Um, expected more out of him at certain times um, because I knew he could handle it and I knew he would rise to the occasion challenged him in ways that you can't always challenge every player. Um, and actually, he would look for those opportunities, to be honest. He, he, he liked having that sort of pressure put on him. Um, you know, he, he plays his best when the when the lights are the brightest. Um, the semifinal, obviously, you know, with the performance he had in the semifinal at State this year um, is one example. There are plenty of others. Talk about that semifinal. You know, we, we played Wheaton Academy, who we lost to last year in the finals. Uh, we had played them – Earlier this year in uh, Iowa and Burlington, Iowa, in a tournament, we're fortunate enough to win that game one to nothing, and then fell behind again in the semifinal to them one zero. Uh, not quite as early in the game, but early enough uh, as we did last year in the final, and then um, came back and got a goal shortly thereafter. Uh, Hank Gomerick scored on a a ball that uh, Jake played to him, um, and then he <laughs> slid through and knocked the goal post over and all kinds of craziness, uh, and then Jake comes in and, and gets three after that with the crazy shot uh, left-footed from 35 yards out or so. Um, they got a PK goal and then scored early in the second half to kind of kind of put it away. So it was just a great performance, like I said. And, you know, everybody's working hard, that sort of thing. In that game in particular, he, he just happened to be the, the one, as is usually the case, that they got the big goals. Have you coached? A more talented kid than this kid? Is that his? You know, I've been fortunate enough to coach a lot of talented kids, truthfully. Uh, each one's a little different. Jake's, Jake, from the mental side along with the physical side, is probably the most unique that I've coached in a, in a positive way, in a good way. Um, he's he's a little little off, probably, and I mean that in a good way, in the way he approaches things. He, he doesn't really get rattled. He doesn't really, um, you know, it's not too big or, or any situation. 
which is hard for for most people. So he's he's most unique in that way for sure. And then you throw on top of that the skill set and the and the willingness and the drive, great work ethic. I mean, there's really not a not a negative thing to say uh, about him. So you don't feel like he gets tight in a big in a big game? Not at all. Do you feel like you get tight in big games? You feel relaxed. I love it. Why do you? Why do you feel so loose? What what enables you to feel so loose in those moments? Just naturally who you are? Uh, yeah, I think it's the, the way I grew up. I My dad always taught me to learn to love that feeling in your stomach before a game, before anything. Love that feeling. Is your dad a soccer guy too? He actually played baseball, but he went pretty far with baseball. All right. So when you're gone next year at Eastern or wherever it is you wind up, what are you going to miss about playing soccer at Alta? I'm just going to miss the family we made there. I'm going to miss Skip. I'm going to miss Coach Bunning, Tez. But it was really just a family we had. How would you describe Coach Birdsong? Terrible at soccer. <laughs> nah, he's, he's cool, definitely. Uh, Does he scrimmage with you guys? Does he get in there and try to kick the ball around? No, he doesn't, but he sure likes to talk about the good old days. About how good he was when he played at Granite City? Yeah, no, I'm just playing. Because last awesome. year he told me he was pretty good, and this year he told me he was really good. So I think he, I think he gets better every single year. We all get better as we age. You know? I don't know. I get worse. Nobody remembers anymore. Nah. Coach is awesome. Uh, he he really he's really the one that uh, encourages family, family, family to us, and that we always have each other's backs. We work hard, and that when it comes down to it, we will be ready to play. Describe a typical Skip Bird song practice. You know, uh, preseason wise, uh, you're trying to lay the groundwork. You know, get a good base conditioning wise, and all that sort of thing going into the season. Um, so we're doing a lot of a lot of different things. I, I'm not a just run for the sake of running type of person. So we try to we try to structure things um, where there's a lot of movement throughout uh, the drills that we set up. We try to get as much movement as possible. Want them to be competitive. Uh, so we throw little things in to to add to that. With this group, you didn't really have to do much other than roll the ball out, and the competitiveness was already there. Um, so we, but we try to create that that competitiveness like you're going to have in a game. And then sometimes you have to tone it back a little bit because it gets a little too competitive, as you know, which is a good thing in many ways. Um, and then during the season, we play so many games. You know, we play usually three games a week, and so it's it's almost play. The next practice is sort of recoup, prep a little bit for tomorrow night's game, and, and you kind of roll on. So the practices during the season are focused more on, you know, restarts and recovery and just different things like that, more so than they are um, any kind of big practices. We do have some little breaks here or there where we can actually fine-tune things a little bit more, but – uh, during the season, it's hard to it's hard to have a real structured practice, um, you know, that's real competitive just because of, of soreness and injuries and things like that. What was the story for the Metro East as a whole? Give me a comprehensive look. What was the story of the Metro East this year? One A, two A, three A. You know, obviously, um, you know, we we were returning a big group from our team last year, so coming into the season, you know, our expectations were high. I think. Most people's expectations for us were high, which is which is a dangerous place to be some years. Uh, thankfully, the boys uh, on our end of things stepped up and um, you know did what they were supposed to do or what people thought they were do. Um, so we were we were there. Columbia is a good team in the one A side as well, um, and then a number of other teams, two um, A and three A wise. Obviously, Triad, Edwardsville, Collinsville, uh, Bevel East had a very good year this year as well. And O'Fallon was right there. O'Fallon too. I feel was like three right A. There was there was the teams, all the teams that you just yep. mentioned, and Alton wasn't far off. No. And then two A, Triad was the beast again Absolutely. at two A. Right. And I feel like Triad 
maybe girls and boys combined were the best teams in the area last year. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, think you're right there. Possibly so, yeah. I, would, I mean, Trad was very, very good last year. They were good again this year. Don't yes. get me wrong, but last year's Absolutely. team was, was really good. Uh, the girls' team, you know, they just keep winning state titles, so it's right. kind of hard to argue with that one. And um, Triad, let me throw this out there, too. Triad was one questionable call absolutely. away from winning – uh, the boys and the girls. Yeah, that last call year. that call last year in the boys game was uh, was a tough one. And I've never seen it. I, I have actually, and it was it was tough. Uh, if I were them, I, I would not be. Uh, although I I am kind of them, I guess it, this year. But that's worse, a different story. Worse than this year. It was actually a little worse. You guys have a tough call too. Yeah, I just saw, I see the score in the final was four to one. Was it a penalty kick? There was a penalty kick uh, called with uh, thirty two minutes left to go in the second half on our keeper. Uh, gave him a red card as well. Uh, on the penalty kick. So he's out of the game. He's out of yeah. the game, man. We have to play a man short, which is not how the rule is supposed to be applied any longer. That's That was the rule a few years ago. That That's actually been changed. And I, I don't want to make a, a big controversy over it, but that's it, it's a misapplication. So you played a, man, you played a man short? We did. And you weren't supposed to? Correct. Did you tell the official at the time, hey, we're not supposed to play a man? And he said, nope, that's the rule? We did. Yeah. yeah. And the red card actually got rescinded, I heard, right? There's some discussion with the IHSA right now, yeah. Hmm. So it's a you know again that's taking nothing away from Q and D. They obviously had a great season, and, and we don't we don't make excuses. But obviously, the PK makes a two to one, and then you're down a man for the next thirty two. Um, you know we scored one hundred and forty two goals this year. If we're down two one, I'll take my chances with with thirty two to go if if everything's even. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't happen. And then you know you got to push up. We're playing a man short, so then you three in the back, and you know then some some other goals just go in because of the. Of the the push you have to give. So at that point, it doesn't matter if it's ten to one or two to one. You still lose. Yeah. So, so the final score, we we hadn't given up more than two goals since the third game of the season. Um, we gave up two to Edwardsville and then and two to Columbia back to back, second and third game of the year, and then shutouts or one goal games from there. So four is is definitely the outlier. I feel like you can stay local and play a great schedule. Absolutely, we you know we went to. Uh, Burlington, like I said, to play in that tournament. And part of the reason we did that is there were there was a bracket of 1A teams, kind of the best 1A teams there. All four of the, the teams in the Final Four were there, uh, and then four other really quality teams that were in the Elite Eight. Um, so great, great t- weekend. They were all paired up. We were fortunate enough to, to come out of that one and win that bracket or win that side of the tournament. Um, so that was a good experience, but but you don't have to, we don't have to go 30 minutes any direction, and, and we can find games all over the place in, in this area for sure. I want to talk about your team next year, and I want to talk about talk about the USA. Absolutely. And everybody loves to score goals, but you know you know what everybody hates? Waiting in line at the DMV, and now you don't have to. Go see the state-certified experts at Rosenthal License Service for all your licensing needs, including title work for cars, trucks, motorcycles, ATVs, boats, campers, RVs, and trailers. Located in Edwardsville in the Montclair Shopping Plaza, Right across from the DMV, Rosenthal is a local, family-owned business that has been serving the Metro East for more than 80 years with fast, friendly service. And they can help you if you need a money order or a notary public. So, the next time you need to renew your sticker, save time with a quick and easy visit to my friends John and Francis at Rosenthal License Services or give them a call at 656-6163 and... Andy Calloway of Calloway Home Loans saves me money every month now and will save my family thousands in the long run. How? 
He refinanced my existing mortgage, and he can do the same for you. Rates are all over the place, but you need to take advantage of an easy, fast, and affordable way to refinance. They do conventional FHA and VA loans. And ask for the MESP special. If you refinance with Andy, he'll donate $100 to the Metro East High School or Junior High team of your choice. He'll give $100 to Altoff Soccer. <laughs> he'll give $100 to Altoff Football, whatever you, whatever you want. Just call Andy today at 618-830-3332. Save money and support your favorite team in the Metro East. You played for Gene Baker, right? I did. What did you learn from Gene Baker? <laughs> Everything. More than I can more than you can talk about more than, in a, more than can be shared in a few minutes, that's for sure. I had him on the show and he's still sharp as a tack and he's humble and the one of the things that he said was he learned from everybody. He learned from everything. He just is such a smart guy who wants to learn about everything. Yeah, he's very intelligent, uh, great teacher as well, uh, classroom teacher. Um, and it, he would he would pull um, little bits and pieces of, of all kinds of different sports. Um, he encouraged, you know, being a multi-sport athlete, a little different back then than it is now in, in some ways. But um, he just understood athletics and athleticism and, and really encouraged people to uh, to explore all of those things. And then he brought those pieces that you would learn in other sports and onto the soccer field as well. And so um, I, I still approach things that same way. I know there's, there's times that that's not necessarily the best approach, but generally speaking, that's still what I encourage as well. Um, especially at younger ages, you know, there's certain levels of athletes that, that need to specialize at some point, but um, you know, it, it, you only get one shot at this and that's the other side of it. So you get, you get one four year go around, you know, in high school and, uh, try to get as much in as you can. These kids have gotten a lot out of their four years yeah, at Altoff, despite the fact that they had the COVID year. Yep. I feel like you've had a good full soccer experience, more than probably some kids who graduated maybe like two years ago who missed like their junior and their senior season. Do you feel like we're getting back to normal? I, I think, yeah, generally speaking, as far as the seasons go, that sort of thing. This this year probably felt the most normal of all because last year you still had some of the mask stuff while they were at school and different things like that. So this year is probably the most, the most normal of all, you know, we had 29 games this year and over 30 last year. We, we really tried after the, after the, the uh, COVID year with only 11 that we played, we really tried to get as many games as we could. It, it tasked them, their bodies in a different way. And so we tried to prepare for that. But like you said, we wanted them to get as much as they could missing, you know, for, for all intents and purposes that yeah. one year, basically. Do you know where you rank on the all-time scorers list at Altoff? I wish I knew. I, I, I've been meaning to ask. Look Do you know where it. he ranks? We, uh, he's up there. We, there's been in the past with the Reiningers and some other guys that have gone through there that have that have had some pretty big numbers. Um, he's he's definitely up there. I don't have an exact count, but he I would say he's in the top five for sure. Probably the top three. But again, those numbers may be may have been elevated more had he played up top. But he played more of a, a control a style to control the game. Right. His Fair? his goals could have been his numbers could have been much higher if I would have kept him in games as well. Um, we we try to be respectful of the game and our opponents as well, and um, you know that in, a lot of times means Jake Setting and other, others have to come out and, and give others a chance to play, which you know for our team and for our program obviously is is a good thing as well. Uh, to continue to develop and grow and, and get people experience. So um, he understands that. He doesn't like it, of course, like any good player. They want to be on the field all the time. Um, but they, they all understand that, that, that we're all there. Like you said earlier, we are a family and everybody has their time. So 
their minutes, um, a number of them, but Jake's in particular, aren't nearly probably what some would think because some of those games are, you know, they only paid 15, 20, 30 minutes maybe in a whole game. So um, definitely the numbers could have been could have been higher if we if we would have done things a little differently. Obviously a leader on the team. Was, your, was he your team captain? He's one of the four captains we had this year. Um, certainly the probably the most vocal of the four um, in, in a positive way as well. That's, that's a part of Jake's game and, and uh, maturity level that's really grown since his freshman year, like, like many people. Um, his approach and his, his real understanding of what it means to be a captain, what it means to be a leader of a team, that sort of thing, and how much people follow his lead. And so his personality, as we were talking about earlier, that calmness that he brings really helps others because very few people are really like that in those real intense times. And so um, they leaned on him a lot, whether they realized it or not. It was get it to Jake, and you know things will things will be okay. Probably was leadership something that you to which you aspired this year? Did you want to definitely, be a leader? Definitely. I uh, there was a couple nights where I was thinking. Well, I mean, a lot of nights where I was thinking, how are we going to win this game? How are we going to win this game? What are we going to do? What can I do? How can I inspire the team? Uh, how can I get others to inspire the team? Which they all did because uh, they. Like like Skip said, we have four captains. They all picked it up, and they can all do what they got to do. A lot of kids don't like to call out their teammates, so a lot of kids don't like to to right. be a vocal leader. Sounds like you don't have a problem with that. Calling out of my calling out anyone is what I love doing. Actually, <laughs> I love confronting people. You love it, yeah. Confrontational. Yep. Does that help you on the on the field to to take on an opponent, take somebody on? You're comfortable in that role? Yeah, well, I'd say so. Yeah, that, I would. I would say it, that's a big part of his personality is to, is why he why he does some of the things he does on the field. Is he does he does sort of relish that. Now he's making it sound worse than it is actually. He does it in the right way when it's when it's to a teammate, and he's he's constructive with it as well. It's not just you know, hey, let's go. Uh, sometimes, um, but he but he understands, and and then he also when you when you lead by example. It's kind of hard to not follow, right? Because right. I'm I'm doing everything out here too, um, and there's a number of guys that we could. That, that's that's the benefit we've had the past couple of years. There's a number of guys like this, um, but Jake's certainly one of them. That's for sure. And part of wearing the armband means you are expected to talk to the referee, right? Is that something you enjoy? Yeah, <laughs> I bet. I, I I like to talk to referees before the game, during the game, after the game. I like. Do I, they like to talk to you? Depends, but. Most of them are all right. They like they enjoy talking to me. Uh, definitely get on their good side before the game. Talk talk to them about anything, honestly, and make them feel smart. Uh, <laughs> and then I mean, I just sometimes that's more <laughs> difficult than others. Sometimes I'm sure it's easy. It just depends on the ref. There, uh, there's a lot of cool refs around here. So there are, and refs are underrated, and people need to stop Absolutely. being abusive Slander. to refs. Right. So, I mean, it's it's ridiculous sometimes. It is, and and they, you know, I I've played and watched a whole lot of games, um, and it's not an easy job um, because I've jumped in a few times just to kind of help here, or there, and that sort of thing, and it, it's not an easy thing to do, certainly. Um, well, the other thing is this: Have you ever missed a ball, missed a kick? Have you ever missed a pass, missed a shot, oh, missed a PK? Definitely. And so, you right. know, looking at human beings who are officials yep. and expecting them to be perfect. Is, right. is is ludicrous it is absolutely and that's that's the part you know your emotions get involved and especially the, the more that's on the line for the game that sort of thing but um it's very and, and you miss a call you miss it, it is kind of one of those things it's just the ones that like you know yeah the, really what the people remember that are that are obviously tough but but even that it's you know it's a mistake it happens i think as long as they're in position 
well. You know, if you if you're in position, I can't complain about it. Right. But if you're kind of dogging it on the sideline, if you're the if you're the side judge in, uh-huh. in soccer and you're just kind of ten yards too far yeah, one way, yeah. Then I can. Then I think when the people get on you, I think they might. And then I saw a referee kind of grab his hamstring. This <laughs> and I didn't know if he was being dramatic, right, or making an excuse. Oops. Yeah, it was kind. Of, it was it was kind of funny. All right. Anything else you want to say about about this great team this year? Congratulations on another fantastic year. You know, just uh, again, back-to-back great years, obviously. We lost four seniors last year, returned um, 21 of the 25 that, that were on the roster postseason last year. Um, great group. Jake, obviously, are the three captains, Dylan Yasersa, Ryan Myatt, and Brody Bugger. Uh, Evan Price, Hank Gomrick is a junior, uh, one of our returning bright spots. Uh, Aiden Welch. Um, our two keepers, um, Andy Weir and, and Ryan Connolly, um, Connor, Connor Lind. Um, I think that's my, and, and a freshman this year that started for us in the final, Finley Williams. So uh, we got a lot coming back as well. Didn't I see a bird song on that roster too? There is a bird song on that roster. Yeah, that's my son. What's that like? He's um, a freshman this year, right? He's a freshman. I coached my older son his junior and senior year. Um, I'd coached him a lot growing up, so he was kind of used to what the expectation would be. Uh, this is the first time I've coached Tyler in soccer, um, and it, it went well. Uh, you know, I he doesn't he doesn't get any as you can imagine he doesn't get any special favors probably the other way too much sometimes. But um, you know he'll work hard and he'll he'll fit in where he fits in. Tim Doherty once told me before I coached my son, he said, you know, you can be hard on your kid, but don't be harder on him than you are other kids. And yeah. I. As a dad, even when you try to follow that, sometimes it's it's hard. It, it is. When we I talk with Tyler a lot about it, and you know, look, it, it has to be this way. You have to earn. I want him to earn it, so there's no questions for him. I don't. I'm not worried about it from my standpoint. To be honest, I'm more concerned with with people questioning whether he can do X, Y, or Z. Um, and, and so when he's given those opportunities, got to make the most of it and got to got to run with it. And it's hard too because you have to put who you think are the best people out there. Right. You know, it's not like tennis where I can have you play that kid exactly. <laughs> Or wrestling. All right. Any other words about your team this year? Yeah. Jake? Uh, I just wanted to, uh, you know, talk about talk about the team this year. Uh, everybody, once again, like I was saying, is a family, truly. Uh, I'm really going to miss playing high school soccer. It's definitely way different than club. I, can, I don't know what college will be like, but I hope it's, hope it's a lot like high school soccer. You have students coming to support. Uh, you got teammates who play their role. They aren't necessarily great at soccer, but they play a big role on the team uh, and really support support every game, and everybody has fun with it. Everybody likes to see us win. Did you guys play on turf we at did. all tough? We did. How long have you had turf there? Uh, 2017. It was about midway through the season of 17 is when, when it was finished. What impact does that have on your program? Um well, you know, one is obviously the just rainouts and that sort of thing. You don't you don't really have to deal with any of that sort of of, uh, of issue. And then when you have teams like we've had the past couple of years that are skilled and fast and and you know able to to play at a faster pace, it really helps. Now, most many places now have turf, so there, it's not like a huge advantage like it was you know a few years ago or whatever. But um, we definitely were a different team on grass than we were on, on turf for, for those reasons that I just said. So it, it's a big benefit. Um, hopefully it continues to be a benefit moving forward, but uh, it definitely has been the past few years. 
Let's switch gears a little bit here. And I'm a soccer guy. I don't. I'm. I'm not a soccer nut by any means. But I played it. I played a little bit in college, and I grew up playing it in Granite City, like you. But I didn't play in high school. And on today, November 21st, 2022, the United States played their first round game against Wales, yep. and it was a tie, right? One to one. What were your thoughts on the game? Well, I thought. Uh you know, obviously, a tie's a tie. It's, it's better than the other than the alternative to, to that. Um, I didn't think they played very well the second half, truthfully. I thought the first half was was pretty good. Uh, the second half, they seemed to kind of be on their heels a little bit. And, and when you do that long enough, especially at that level, um, something bad is bound to happen. Uh, give it to PK, uh, which I which I think was a PK. Right. Um, and obviously, uh, Bale finishes with the with a great shot. Um, so in some ways, maybe fortunate to to salvage a, a tie. Uh, obviously, when you're up 1-0, um, you know at that level for sure you you want to hang on to the win. Um, but they'll 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 see Friday uh, yeah. what they're what they're really made of. It felt like a loss to me. I agree. It felt like a loss because I feel like we controlled the ball and controlled the pace of the game, and I feel like it was one. I, I you know I don't want to pick on the guy, but it was just a poor play. Yeah in our box and he just he needed to just have more poise and just stay yeah. in front of the ball yeah i don't know he, he, i don't know why he's diving in so hard in that position that nothing nothing good can happen at that point and honestly the guy's got his back to the goal and he's gonna have to do some ridiculous something to finish from there and, and so i you kind of take him off the hook in some ways what would it mean to the u.s to have a great finish in the world cup maybe not even win it all but even like get in get out of pool play Get to, get to the semis, something like that. Right. What do you think that would mean to soccer in this country? You know, it's changed, obviously, so much in the in the past few decades, for sure. And obviously, in this area with City coming in now, and there's a, there's an uh, added excitement in the in the area, the St. Louis area. Um, but nationally, I think more people recognize and pay attention now. More kids playing. Um, certainly, as our demographics of the country have changed, that's sort of affected that as well in a positive way. Um, there's a lot of, of uh, foreign-born players that play in college now and some different things like that. So it's just it's a different atmosphere than what it used to be. And so any kind of success in the World Cup, no matter what country it is, obviously then bleeds over. When little kids see athletes in any sport have success, more little kids want to do that that very thing. And so I, I think that's a that's a big piece of it. Um, and and in this country, you know, like when the when the women's team were winning as all the World Cups and what people people get behind. We love winners, obviously, and so they'll support it for sure. Um, I was actually out to lunch today watching the game, and pretty crowded where I was at, So, and everybody was there for the game, so it was pretty interesting. I feel like soccer is more popular now than it was when I was in high school. Maybe not in Granite City. I mean, in Granite City High School, it's it's always right. been a huge deal. Right. But I feel like across the board, more kids know about soccer, and I think one of the things that's helped is the Internet. Yeah. Because now, and like just because when I was a kid – you could watch soccer on on you know soccer made in Germany on Channel right, Nine, right, right. you know, and and that was it. Whereas right. now these kids they can watch every league. You can watch the Italian league, you can watch the French, all of them, and that helps. Yeah, no, there there wasn't you know I might get a, a New York Arrows indoor game every once in a while, or or you know a Steelers right. game back in the day, or, or right. that sort of thing. But there there wasn't you know they're not a professional league obviously here then, and um, there was no there wasn't the internet, so so yeah. it wasn't you're right it wasn't accessible to us um, now. Growing up where I did and, and that sort of thing, it was a, a somewhat of a cult right. in that area. But but you still didn't watch it on TV. It just it just wasn't. I feel like we've been waiting for that one 
huge event I agree. to make it like really because I feel like it's been like a like a slow matriculation because soccer has been the number one participatory sport forever yep. in this country. More kids are trying soccer than any other sport. So then why aren't we successful, more successful on a professional level and why aren't our pro leagues more popular? It's just been kind of an, an enigma to me, right. but I do think we it is becoming more popular. It is, and I think as as USA Soccer uh, and the leaders of of that organization, as they've uh, sort of changed the last few years and that sort of thing, I think that helps too. Um, you'll notice there's there's more players from all parts of the country on this yes. year's group than than in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not just that sort of East Coast wall, and everybody else, you know, might get a one one or two here or there. Um, so that's a positive thing too, and I think that helps. Um, you know, when you, when you know that two of the players played you know, 30 minutes from here in high school and, and grew up in that area. It, it, it just helps. Who are they? Uh, who is a sergeant and... Riam. Yeah, yeah. They're so, from this area? Yeah, they both sergeant, went to... Sergeant played on Gallagher yeah. and so did Riam, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, again, it's just kids connect with like, oh, I, I you know, yeah. they, they've heard the name at least, you know, that sort of thing. So it helps. It also helps spread it around the country if, again, there's there's all parts of the country are, are represented on the team too. And I think City is going to make a huge impact. Absolutely. I think I think... Kids are going to go to those games. I think it's going to make it more. I think it's going to make St. Louis, the St. Louis area, an even greater hotbed for soccer. It, it, you know, when we when we were younger, as you were saying earlier, St. Louis was was the really in, in many many ways it was the the capital of it all, right? Yeah. And and that's still true to a to in a large degree, but there are certainly other areas that have that have kind of caught up and and done some different things. I think this kind of gives the opportunity for St. Louis to put itself kind of back where it's always been. And it's going to start next fall? Uh, I believe so. They had a game last week or the week before. I think it was last week. Yeah, yeah. I think we lost. Yeah, we did. That was City 2. Okay, guys. Well, thanks so much for coming by. It's just always Absolutely. a pleasure to see you, Skip. Congratulations Thank on you. all your success. Jake, once you make your decision, you got to let us know and come back and, and talk to us. And then maybe after your freshman year in college, come on back and we'll, we'll hear from you. Jake's playing uh, – First or second weekend in December down in uh, Florida in the All American game. In All American game. Yep. So yep. that's uh, first player at Altoff to ever do that. Um, hopefully, there'll be some colleges down there that uh, get a good look at, at what he has to offer. Um, what does he have to offer? What's what the are, what, are, what are the big things that he brings to a team? You know, this is going to sound you know like a I don't know I'm selling a car or something I guess, but honestly everything. I mean, he he genuinely there's not really anything he can't do on the field. Um, he's not the biggest, uh, which, which <laughs> misleads people. He may be the best in the air, uh, in many ways on our team. And we have guys that are really good in the air, but, but he, he just understands he has a, a feel for the game, understands because of the other sports that he's played growing up. I think that he just understands how sport works and, and he gets himself in the right position. Um, we played him at wing back a few times in his earlier years because we would need to gets into the attack well in those positions and, he he really genuinely does it all, and most importantly, and and this is the piece that that we'll be most proud of is he, he knows how to be a part of a team and do do what's best for the team, and so any coach, if you have that skill set and you have that mindset to go with it, anybody would would love to have him in their program. Could this guy coach at the next level? I think he could. He really knows how to get a team team going. He's he's a winner, so that's the big thing about it. All right, guys, I really appreciate you coming in. Uh, it's so good to see you. Congratulations on all the success. Good Thank luck you. next year. Thank you. I appreciate it. Are you going to pr- is next year your year to prove 
what you're made of as a coach? <laughs> I think, uh, you know, we returned five starters um, from this year's team. So it's not like we, you know, we're totally bare. Uh, but there will be a lot of opportunities next year for guys that, that haven't had a ton of minutes, certainly. Um, we had a large freshman group this year, so those those guys are going to have every opportunity as well. Um, and, and we're hoping for another strong freshman class to come in. But the, the what will be seniors and juniors next year as well, um, they'll, they'll be ready to go. And, the, you know, the thing with the program, and this is, this is one of the most important things I learned from Coach Baker, you got to build it so it's there every year. And so that's what we try to do. We try to expose people and, and push them in ways We'll push them differently next year that they haven't had to. They've had the luxury of, you know, having Jake and other guys around the last few years. Um, but but they'll be pushed. And there there's there's a lot returning as well. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Big thanks to guests Morgan and Paul Hansen, Jake Pollock, and Skip Birdsong. And for partners, Cassins, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, Callaway Home Loans, Keller Williams, Marquis, Jeb, and Ginger Blasting Game, Integrity Spine and Joint Center, Front Office, Fiduciary Network, Oak Brook Golf Club, and Rosenthal License and Title Services. Our engineer, Everett Hicks, thank you for listening to the Metro East Sports Podcast, talking all things sports in the Metro East. <laughs>